All right. Well, hey, welcome everybody to our Google Educator Group of Ohio meeting for November 11th, 2021. So excited to have you guys here with us today. Uh, this is a monthly meeting usually uh, where we take a look at everything new in uh, Google for uh, schools over the last month or so, as well as sharing Google tips and tricks, answering questions related to using Google tools in schools and more. Uh, howdy everybody, my name is Eric Kurtz. I'm a tech integration specialist at the Stark County Educational Service Center here in North Canton, Ohio. Um, however, this meeting is open to anyone all across Ohio or outside of Ohio. We really um, are happy to have folks from anywhere, uh, as long as you have an interest in using uh, Google tools in schools. I am uh, joined today, uh, as always, by uh, Stephanie. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Stephanie? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Howe. I'm an instructional technology coach in Pickerington, Ohio. Excited to be here this month um, to go over the November updates and I'll kind of look over what happened in October as well. That's right. Yeah, we weren't able to have an October meeting. Uh, the schedules have been really crazy. And so this one's kind of doing a little double duty, uh, October and half of November. We're also joined by John. John, go ahead and introduce yourself as well. Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is John mansell Pladel, and uh, I am supervisor of um, the Professional Learning Group with Northern Buckeye Education Council in Archbold, Ohio, and uh, I work with teachers in the four counties in the northwest corner of Ohio. Great to be here uh, for our um, October slash November meeting. Looking <laughs> forward to hearing uh, all the updates that have come down the uh, pipe from Google. Well, thanks so much, guys, for being here with me today. Uh, for everybody who is uh, watching live or watching this as a recording later, you can get to all of the resources today in our Google Doc editable agenda. Uh, you can get there a couple of ways. I will uh, drop the link directly into our YouTube chat. So for those that are uh, with us live, that'll be a convenient way to get into it. For other folks, you can always go to our GEG Ohio website at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. That'll take you out to the GEG Ohio website. And once you get there, um, you'll see a link for monthly meetings. When you click on monthly meetings, that'll bring up the schedule of our meetings. And you can see here's today, November 11th. And there is a link to the agenda document right there. Uh, the link to our live video, of course, you're, you're watching right now, will become the recorded video afterwards. So you can always catch these later if you're not able to join us live. Now, this document that we share out, this agenda document, is editable, so we encourage you to add things uh, to this. Um, if you scroll on down, you'll see we have some sections that would be great for that. For example, the upcoming events section, if you know about a uh, you know, a, a conference or a webinar or some professional development opportunity that you want to get on people's radar, please add that in. We really appreciate folks sharing those opportunities. Uh, there's also a section further down in the agenda called show and tell. And in that section, there's a spot called community show and tell. And this would be a wonderful location to add in resources that you've come across in the last month or so, or a cool blog post or neat extension, or just anything you'd like to 
share. And then further down, there's a section called Q&A. So if you've got any questions that you want to share with the whole group, this is a great place to throw those in. Or if you have answers or suggestions to some of the questions, uh, you can put those in there as well. Uh, of course, we'll be monitoring the YouTube chat throughout this, and that's another great way to uh, comment and participate. So with all of that said, let's go ahead and get started into our meeting. Um, so we've already done our welcomes and introductions. We've got that. Under important links, we do want to remind you to uh, please consider signing in for attendance. Um, there's a uh, link here to a Google form. Very, very quick and easy. Just pick uh, the date and fill in your info. And what we do is we use this to generate certificates of attendance so that you can have those um, for your records um, <clears throat> and also to be able to report numbers to Google as far as how many people have participated in um, our GEG meetings. Uh, next up below that, we've got a section on group updates, and this is always a good time to remind you that we have an email distribution group, the GEG Ohio uh, email group, uh, over a thousand members in that. If you haven't signed up for that yet, you can do so using the directions that you see here under group updates. This is just a great way to stay in touch in between meetings. If you've got a question, you can post it to the group and have over a thousand people there to help uh, out with with your questions. It's another great way to share PD opportunities or other resources. And we have a Facebook group as well, which is another wonderful way to stay connected in between the meetings. So either one of those, we certainly encourage you to plug into. Next up, we've got our section on upcoming events. Um, and, you know, Stephanie and John, if either of you want to speak directly to any of these, that would be wonderful. Um, I will mention real quick um, that um, I see we had a question about one of these uh, with, with OETC, the Ohio Educational Technology Conference. Uh, that is going to be um, in mid-February and the call for presenters is open now. Um, I did see there was a question here uh, where Star was asking about what these Fred Talk things are. Uh, so um, Fred Talks, uh, it's, it's sort of like OETC's version of TED Talks. Uh, it stands for Finding Real Education, uh, I believe. Correct me if I, <laughs> if I botched that, but I believe that's what it originally stood for. Um, and there are five minute talks um, where you've got a slideshow with like, you know, 20 slides that, you know, move forward every 15 seconds or whatever. Uh, and it's a really neat way to be able to share an idea, something inspirational in a short amount of time. I've done Fred talks in the past and they always are the scariest thing I do all year, but one of the most rewarding. Uh, so uh, sounds like we've got the call for presenters open right now. Now, but that some of these other uh, calls for presentations like Fred Talks and things like that will be opening up here shortly. Um, and then other than that, I do see that um, Neotech, which is up in my neck of the woods up here, um, does also have the call for presenters open. Neotech Neotech will be in person and also with live video chat and recorded sessions. Neotech, I believe, is in March. Let me take a quick look here. I'm sorry, we didn't have the dates listed on there, but yes, uh, starting March 14th and uh, spanning uh, a few days there. Uh, so, um, John, Stephanie, anything you'd like to mention about some of the other upcoming events? Yeah, um, so I just wanted to really quick talk about the virtual meetups from ODE because I had no idea about these. They meet as um, Ohio Department of Education 
and they just have kind of like a quick presentation and then a round table where you can ask the presenter questions. Um, and I didn't even know this was a thing. So I did not either. Uh, they asked me to present last month and that's how I found out about it. And it was a really engaging session. There was three of us that presented. So it was quick 15 minute presentations. And then after you presented, it was like a round table kind of discussion. So there is a recording of last month. Um, if you do want to go back and watch it and it was all about like moving from COVID to today. <laughs> so now that we're back, what do we do? Um, but I, again, I had no idea and they kind of meet by department. So if you are into science, you have a whole group that meets, um, to discuss that. So I just kind of wanted to throw that one out there. Well, thank you for sharing that. I did not know about that either. That's an excellent resource and that's awesome that you were uh, able to present for them. Very good. Anything else you guys want to mention on upcoming events? I see we've got the Ocali uh, Conference Online. Star, thank you for sharing that. We're still waiting to hear about ITIP. Um, uh, the, we believe it's uh, May 3rd through 5th up at Kalahari, um, but the site hasn't been updated yet to, to reflect all that. So uh, fingers crossed that's all still coming together. If anybody's heard about the ITIP Ohio Google Summit with some more details, I'd certainly love to hear about that. Uh, but thanks for everybody who shared other things, McCall 2022, Pete and C, uh, as well in PA, uh, all fantastic, lots of great upcoming um, events. Very good. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on into the main uh, portion of our meeting, which is what's new in Google. Uh, I would encourage you guys to please continue adding things to the uh, agenda. Thank you so much for those who are doing so. Uh, but what we're gonna do now is take some time and look at what new things have come out since our last meeting. Now, as we said, normally it's a once a month meeting. October was just a little bit too uh, busy with conflicts. And so our last meeting was actually September. So this meeting, we're catching all of October and then the first, you know, half year of, of November. Speaking of which, we will not have a December meeting just because with the holidays and stuff and things really slow down with updates during this time. So our next meeting is um, going to be uh, the end of January. Uh, I think if we look on the GEG Ohio site. We've got it listed as January 20th. So just be aware um, that it won't be till um, another uh, two months from now when, when we get back together. Uh, but what we're going to do is take a look at new things that uh, Google announced or released uh, over the last month and a half here. Uh, the ones that are bolded in here are the ones that we're going to um, specifically focus on. But if there's something here that we skip over that you'd like us to chat about, please let us know in the chat um, or leave comments here. And of course, you can click on any of these links to investigate uh, these as well. Um, the plan will be we'll just kind of jump back and forth uh, between Stephanie and I sharing about these. And uh, John, feel free to jump in as well uh, at, at any point and share some thoughts on these. So to kick things off, the uh, first update that we thought we would draw attention to was some changes related to Google Meet inside of Google Classroom. Uh, so I believe this is rolled out now to everybody. Some of these things, and this happens, some of the things we'll look at here are still rolling out, uh, but this should have now rolled out to everybody. And basically it's some updates that when you're inside of Google Classroom, 
um, how you will now uh, access Google Meet, how your students will access it, as well as some settings changes in there. So the key thing to be aware of, first of all, is that the uh, Meet link to join a Meet in Classroom has now, it's moved over to the side of the class stream. I think I've got a Google Classroom here. Here's one as an example. Uh, so you can see over here on the left-hand side of the stream is the join button for uh, Google Meet there. Um, another key thing that has changed is that if a student uh, wants to join the Meet in class, uh, they'll actually go into a waiting room and wait until the teacher starts the Google Meet. They don't have to ask permission to join the Meet uh, once you start it, but they will not be able to just go into the Meet without you. So if a student comes and they click on the join, it'll take them to like a waiting room where they'll just kind of chill out until you officially start up the Meet yourself. Uh, if you're not, if somebody's not a student uh, in class, if they're not on the class roster, they would have to ask to join and then you could admit them into the meet. And then another really nice feature that is part of this update that came out dealt with co-teachers. So if you have somebody who's been designated as a co-teacher in your class, they will automatically be added as a co-host for the meeting. So co-hosting was something that has rolled out here recently where more than one person can be a host of the meeting, which means anybody who's a host can like uh, mute people, admit people, kick people out, things like that, you know, uh, manage the breakout rooms, stuff like that. So it's so nice to be able to have co-hosts in a Google Meet. So the person who is the host doesn't have to manage everything, including, you know, speaking and so forth. So if somebody is a co-teacher, they'll automatically be a co-host for any meetings. So this is also nice because that means, you know, if the teacher isn't able to be present, the uh, co-teachers can start up the Google Meet as well with the same link. So all of this, I think, uh, makes Google Meets inside of Classroom more convenient um, and also more secure. So uh, nice to see those updates that have rolled out recently with that. Yeah, I'm really glad about the co-hosting because now somebody can watch the chat, they can mute kids, they can do all of the things that we wish we had. <laughs> um, back when we were fully virtual, but it is nice to have that ability. Um, before we go to the next update yeah. in the chat, um, there are some things about events. So I wanted to touch base because Sarah was saying at the last OSU, uh, WOSU meeting, they said that ITIP is going to be blended. So in person and also virtual. Okay. Um, so that's good to know. And then Toby had some insider scoop about OETC. Um, in 2023, it's going to be back to face-to-face. -face. Oh, we also great. said that it's the 25th anniversary of that event, which is crazy. That's hard to imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, I remember back when it was not OETC. Uh, it was the SchoolNet conference. Am I right, John? Does that sound right? The, the, it used to be the, the SchoolNet conference, I believe. Uh, I might be remembering that incorrectly, but I think that's way back in the day. So awesome. Hey, guys, thank you in the chat for sharing those uh, insights into that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, you want to chat about our next update that we have here? 
Yeah, so this next update, I don't know if anyone has ever had that one student that keeps unenrolling themselves from Google Classroom. Uh, we had a student that had this issue. And so what they would do is they would unenroll themselves from the Google Classroom, and then the teacher would have to add them back in every single day. Um, so right now, Google has rolled out so that it can be, um, there's no unenrollment. Uh, you do have to ha go into the Google Admin Console and just turn that on for students and teachers or nice. teachers only. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did check that out in the admin console and it is now live. You could just say mm -hmm. only the teachers are allowed to unenroll students. And if and in that case, then yeah, they, they, they couldn't leave the class. That seems like a, a really nice uh, update that we uh, should have had probably a long time ago, uh, but uh, that's great that it's there now. And again, I think it just affects a couple kids that do that little trick, but yeah. hey, we've got to find workarounds work <laughs> to outsmart them. <laughs> good deal. And Toby uh, said it was SchoolNet in the chat. Yeah, SchoolNet. All right, good. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, next up, um, the ability to create meeting notes, a meeting notes document directly from a Google Calendar event. Uh, so here's the idea. If you have a uh, Google Calendar event uh, and it could be, you know, multiple people are invited to it, um, one of the things that you might want to do is have an agenda or a notes document where everybody can take notes related to the meeting. And of course, I mean, you could just create one yourself and you could add it to the Google Calendar event event and everybody could, you know, then edit it. But the nice thing is you won't have to uh, do that all manually. Instead, uh, if we can zoom in on this one here enough that you guys can see that well enough, it's a little grainy there. Uh, but the idea is that when you create a calendar event, um, you can now click on a button to add meeting notes to the event. And when you do, it creates a document that has the date, the name of the meeting, it has a list of the attendees and a spot for notes and a spot for action items with like a, a checklist. And it shares that out with everybody who is um, invited to the meeting so that everybody can work on that meeting notes document together. So that's nice uh, to have that. I've not had a chance to use that feature yet, but I could see that being, you know, it's a really nice, convenient way to fire up a, uh, a meeting notes document for uh, an event that you've got in Google Calendar. Yeah, I have used it and it is really nice because it tags like everyone who's on the calendar event. It does everything that you might need. Um, so it's a quick and easy way to use it and start to take meeting notes instead of creating a new document. And it's always in the calendar too. Yeah. I don't know if you have that issue where we're like, I sent you an email and they're yep. like, well, where is it? And it's like, oh, I've just started, started putting things in the calendar. <laughs> but, you're, but you're right. That is so much more convenient to just always yeah. have it in the calendar event. Yeah. And this will, this will just make that a whole lot And then Kelly also do. says the meeting notes are awesome. I've been creating them straight from the calendar events to create the agenda and the doc is ready to go during the meeting. Very yeah, nice. So that's great. Yeah. Now for what it's worth, um, you can also now create meeting notes in any Google document um, by using, and I think we'll see, we'll talk about this more a little bit later on, but, but using that little at symbol. So like if I go down here and I type in the at symbol and we get all these different things that we can, you know, create meeting notes are one of the building blocks. So like if you just had your own 
meeting that maybe didn't have a calendar event associated with it and you wanted to very quickly just create some meeting notes with the at symbol and then choosing meeting notes what it does is you know it would allow you to pick like you know what is a particular you know event that you want to attach it to if you wanted to attach it to an event um, and then you know in addition to that then it can it can insert those right into your document that same structure with the little the check boxes and you know uh, the notes from the meeting. So that's cool. Really neat. Um, All right. Eric, would you mind going to your Google Calendar? Because there are some questions in the chat about this. Sure um, thing. It says if people were invited to the event, but replied with maybe or no, will they still have a copy of the agenda too? And I believe they would because it's um, oh, so so definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. Even even if somebody hasn't accepted, it's um, so like I, I tested this out earlier and I just used like some of our test user accounts. And so I created an event. I added some test users to it. I added the meeting notes and saved it. And even though um, like test user zero one, you know, had not even responded, it still shared the meeting notes document with them as part of the calendar invite. So um, and then it does Beth add is, them to it. Beth is asking, are meeting notes um, a shared doc or individual? So the meeting notes are a shared doc. Everybody yeah. would be in the same document there. And I believe everyone um, can edit. Yeah, I should be able to bring up an example here. Uh, let me see. Let me grab. I'll just grab my Spark Online account. I think that's a relatively generic enough account that uh, I should be able to show you some of this here. Today. Yeah, here. Let's Let's say we come in and create an event here. So I'll just call this, you know, demo meeting. And then we'll go into our options and, you know, I'll invite myself <laughs> to it as an example. And maybe I'll invite, you know, some of my test users or something like that. Um, but you can invite folks. And then um, over here, you'll see it's in the description area where it says uh, create meeting notes. And if you click that, that's generating a shared Google document that will be available to all of the folks. So at this point, if I hit save, it's going to send out an invite to these people for the meeting. And it's going to, at that point, generate this collaborative document here. So let me go ahead and do that. And once that's done, now you'll see, boop, 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 let it do its thing. If I click on the meeting, you can see right here are those meeting notes that have been attached for everybody. So if I click on that, it'll open up that uh, those meeting notes. And you'll see it's got the attendees. It's got the spot for the notes, the action items, and so forth. And I believe if I hit on the share button, that should be shared out. Yep, and there it is. So even though my other accounts have not responded yet, they're still added as, as editors directly to that uh, meeting document. Now, where is it being saved at? Um, I would imagine it's the event organizer. If you look up here in the... Uh, move button. It should tell me where it's at. Yep. It's just sitting in my drive. So it's sitting in the drive of the person who, who created it. Everybody else would just have a shortcut to that document then. Yeah. Awesome. Very nice. Let us know if there's any other questions you have on that or yeah, you I think know, you Stephanie got them or John, all. So if thank you, you for walking through because yeah, I think that's yeah. going to be a helpful feature for a lot of people. Um, Sure. Because I know when I am in a meeting, they're like, oh, you forgot to share it with us. And I'm like, oh, 
like now that it's in the calendar, it's automatically shared. Um, so the next one is bringing new life um, to endangered animals using AR. So this one, if you click the resource, Google is creating a way so you can hear and see these real life sized animals by using that AR featured. And it also talks about some of the reasons that they are endangered. Um, but it sounds really cool because it talks about like the movements and the sounds all kind of in that scale of their actual size. Yeah, this is so neat. They keep adding more of these. Uh, and I think we've probably demonstrated this at some point in the past um, in some of the meetings. But basically the idea is, yeah, if you're on your phone and you run a Google search, in this case, uh, they've added these you know, new endangered animals to uh, the list. But if you search for almost any animal, I think it's also dinosaurs you can search for and planets and all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, when you do, uh, you'll be able to click the view in 3D button on your phone after you run a search and it will let you view a 3D model of the animals, but then you can click view in my space and it'll actually turn it into an AR, an augmented reality thing where you can look through the camera on your phone and see the animal in your space, see it in your classroom, see it, you know, uh, in your yard. And it, you know, makes the animals make uh, sounds and they move and you can walk around them and it's it's like you're actually viewing them it's kind of like you know pokemon go type of thing but it's with uh these in this case these endangered animals and uh, google seems to just keep adding more and more and more of these models to their mobile search that's neat that's cool to help kids get up close and personal to stuff that they wouldn't be able to see otherwise neat 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 uh, let's see what's up next. Uh, next, we got an announcement that uh, Chrome apps will now keep working for Chrome S Enterprise and education users until 2025. Now, I don't know how much this will affect folks, but um, for those who um, have in the past on their Chromebooks taking advantage of what we call Chrome apps rather than extensions, we were in informed by Google several years ago that Google was going to deprecate the Chrome apps feature, that basically most Chrome apps were just glorified shortcuts to get to stuff that was just a website. So, you know, a Chrome app for Gmail wasn't really an app for Gmail. It was just a link that got you to Gmail quickly. And so Google said, yeah, I don't think this is ultimately the way to go. You know, it, it, you know, people, you know, should be using extensions instead. And so this was all going to get, you know, shut down. Well, they've kept pushing it out, you know, further and further and further. Uh, so now it won't be until January of 2025 for enterprise and education customers. Uh, so if you are still on your Chromebooks using Chrome apps to get quick access to some of these tools, you've got some more breathing room before those, you know, apps disappear from there. But keep in mind, you're not real, again, you're not losing any of these services. These are just a quick way to be able to get to uh, these tools. Now, if you're not on a Chromebook, we've already lost this, so to speak. Uh, so like if I go to the um, uh, to the Chrome Web Store, you'll see I'm on a Windows computer right now. So all I have is extensions and themes available in the Chrome Web Store. So apps got removed as far as an option 
quite a while ago now for like Macs and PC and stuff like that. On a Chromebook, though, apps are still available and, you know, still supported. And now for a little bit longer, at least through um, uh, 2025. So heads up on that. And again, I I didn't know that people really did uh, use these much anymore, but we recently made some changes um, here at the county office where I work, um, where we switched over to, um, with extensions, having an approved list, just because unfortunately, there's more and more extensions that sometimes, you know, aren't the best, you know, they might, you know, uh, been, you know, a good extension at one point and they got sold and now whoever's running the extension is using it to just to collect data or something like that. So we moved to a model where now it's like, okay, you have to have, you know, have to be approved extensions. Well, that applied to apps as well. And we discovered that when we switched over to that, of course, the apps, you know, that were still, you know, showing up went went away. And some people uh, were still using those as a quick way to get to Gmail or something. So it was a matter of just realizing, okay, Still can get to everything, just have to do it through bookmarks now, not, not through these apps. Awesome. What's up next here, Stephanie? Yeah, next up is um, Chromebook's new accessibility features. And so with this, Google is updating some of these accessibility features. And I know a lot of students hate the um, select to speak <laughs> option oh, on Chromebooks do. because it's a robot voice. Oh, and gotcha. because of that, they, they sometimes don't use that accommodation. They rather hear the teacher read it. So we've been using a lot of moat and that kind of stuff, but Google is working to make a more human type of voice um, to be accessible for these students, which is really, really cool. And also they're working to help students um, be able to like stop, fast forward and rewind, which can really just help students with their comprehension skills. And so I think that's going to be also really helpful for them to use that new kind of um, pop-up. It's that black, the black one that Eric has, and they yeah. can go back. They can uh, go forward. They can pause it. They can do whatever they need. But I think we also need to teach kids how to use these tools. Um, I don't think we can just expect them to know how to pause. I know we've been doing a lot of work with just video uh, instruction for a lot of our quarantine students or uh, even teachers when they have to be out. And so just teaching kids how to learn from a video um, and they don't know like, oh, I should pause. Uh, you can rewatch, you can, you know, speed it up a little bit. Um, so just teaching them that skill has been like kind of eye-opening. And I think we forget that sometimes that, that kids do need to know how to, how to watch a video or how to listen to text being read out loud to them. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, and this really is nice. Um, I know that when I've done my training sessions on um, accessibility tools, um, mm -hmm. I've been impressed by all the work that Google continues to do as far as building right into Chrome OS, these support tools. I mean, I still love the accessibility extensions like, you know, read and write and immersive reader and things like that. But more and more, we're getting just things built right into Chrome OS and the select to speak, having more natural sounding voices to choose from, that's a, that's a definite move in, in, the, in a positive direction there for our students. Yeah, I think they have 25 languages and it says more to come. Um, so they are really trying to work on that natural voice so it can kind of flow easier for the students and yeah. be a lot more fluid for them to understand the information that's coming out, which is great. Very nice. Good stuff. 
Uh, looks like we did have a little bit of uh, comments in the chat, but um, we perhaps have uh, been able to answer most of those. I did see a question about um, uh, with extensions and apps. The question was, will core apps such as Gmail, Docs, et cetera, have to be added as extensions or simply bookmarked? And I would say if it's the core apps, like yeah, Gmail, Docs, and so forth, it's probably more of a matter of instructing the students on how to use something like, you know, what, you know, we call the waffle button or, you know, uh, I don't know what, what word you guys give to it, uh, but the little button up in the top right-hand corner of a new tab where, yeah, you know, here's your link to Gmail, here's your link to drive, where if instead on a Chromebook, have they been used to um, using the apps launcher, right, those those will go away, um, those as shortcuts. And so it's a matter of retraining folks to being able to find, you know, this way to go into the tools instead of using the apps. Now, there are some apps that you know, are have, that have been, well, Google's encouragement would be to convert them over to extensions. So certain things that used to exist as apps have now been turned into extensions. Um, but these sort of standard Google tools, they never were, all they were was shortcuts. That's all those apps really were at that point. Awesome. All right. Very, very good. Well, let's see. Um, next up here. Oh, we've already mentioned this a little bit, but we'll chat about it again. Um, how the at symbol now being used in a Google document can bring up a lot more resources. Um, so now when you come in and see if we can make this a little bit bigger here. Yeah, I guess that's pretty decent. Uh, when you're in a Google document and you click the at or you type the at symbol now, um, you get a whole lot more options in the dropdown. So, you know, the ability to choose people that you want to add into the document or those templates, like we talked about, the meeting note template, if you want to put that in. It's also a great way to be able to add, for example, the checklists uh, so we can check things off, but you can also just create new things. This gives you just a shortcut to be able to quickly add add images and you know, special characters and charts and, and so forth. Uh, so a uh, lot more convenient. Uh, you can still get to a lot of these same things by going up to the insert menu and so forth. But by just clicking the at symbol, it will you know, use AI to try to intelligently suggest for you, you know, what files you might want to link in or which people may need to get referenced in your document. Very nice. All right, what's up next here? Next up is setting time for focus. Um, mm. So I know I need this, but in Google Calendar, you can say that you're out of the office. So this feature is going to work pretty similar to out of the office where um, people will kind of know that you're like trying to work really focusedly. So you'll just go in, you can put focus time and then you can see it has a little headphone icon and then you can pick your time and um, when it will occur. Also, you're able to um, look and you can decline meetings. So mm -hmm. that's kind of nice if someone's sending you a meeting. It's like, nope, I already have this time set aside to work on this project um, where sometimes I, I, I just do the meeting and then I don't have time to work on that project. And then it's like I'm doing it at home or whatever. Um, so I think maybe it might be helpful for some people to know like, hey, I'm working during this time on my project at this focused hour. That's very nice. Yeah. Anything to help encourage uh, 
healthy balance in our in our lives. This is this is a, a good way to carve out some time when you need to get some things done, and uh, that way people will know that you're uh, unavailable during that time. Good stuff. Well, let's see what's up next. Um, next, we've got an update uh, for Google Meet, where meeting hosts now have more control of the participants' audio and video feeds for smoother, more productive meetings. So basically, the idea behind this is that um, we now have the ability, if I'll pull up this uh, image, see if we can make it large enough to see. Yeah, some of these are a little small, but hopefully we can make it a little bit bigger so you can see it there. Um, Inside of Google Meet, there is now the option to turn um, off people's uh, microphones and uh, videos and have an option to say that they're not able to turn them back on until you uh, re-enable that. Uh, in the past, we've had the ability to mute people, but you know, you could always just unmute themselves again. Hosts now have more power as we said, in being able to uh, mute folks and turn off their cameras and have it be a lock so that it will prevent the participants from unmuting themselves uh, until you re-enable that. So could be useful in a meeting where, you know, perhaps uh, somebody uh, is uh, uh, unmuting or uh, turning on their camera at a time when uh, we don't want them doing that. Very good. All right, uh, what's up here next? So next up is Google Sheets. Um, they just made it a little bit easier to find key features that a lot of the users are using. And so um, if you kind of scroll down a little bit, there's a GIF yeah. and it goes through all the different um, types. So you can see the file kind of got shorter, things aren't as long, there's more icons. Um, so things might be moved around on you if you're trying to find something. Yes. Um, just kind of be aware of that. That caught me off guard, um, mm -hmm. but it hasn't rolled out to all of my accounts. Like this yeah. account that I'm on right now, it this is my just my regular work account. This one, yes, it has rolled out, but in the same domain on you know the same yeah. county domain. My uh, other account, I think my uh, one of my Spark Online one still had the original. Like this is that other account. I think if I come in here and uh, let me see, um, yeah. So so yeah. So take a look. Like here's like the Spark Online account, and you can see if I go up to the top menu bar in Sheets, like there's the add-ons menu and so forth. Well, now if I come here to my other account on the same domain, the add-ons menu okay. is no longer called that. Now it's an extensions menu that has add-ons inside of it, but it also has macros, app script, app sheet, and so forth. So I think we're in the middle of the rollout. And I don't know if extension, like sometimes when I'm like, it's an add-on, people kind of struggle, but I wonder if we're using the same link, language of like, it's an extension. They kind of get that, but I don't know. I'm actually worried know. about that. I think yeah. that's confusing, confusing because yeah. an add-on <laughs> is not the same thing as an, yeah, extension. as an extension, but the menu says extensions. extensions. I don't know. I think 
my gut feeling to this is I think this is a little, I, I don't know that I would go with that terminology. I, I don't think extensions was probably the best choice there because it means something else a lot of times. So I can see some mm-hmm. people getting confused there about click on extensions. Oh, you mean these extensions or these extensions, but they're not extensions, they're add-ons. What's also interesting is you're missing accessibility. On the screenshot, they have a link for accessibility. Um, it would be really? right next to the help. Well, I see and one I under tools. There's yeah, an accessibility under tools. Yeah, it looks um, like they moved that up. They definitely have moved things around though. So like, you know, under data, uh, the sorting is broken out as well. And uh, what used to be the normal sort range, you actually have to go a little deeper into it. You have to go to sort range and then go to advanced range sorting to pop up that uh, advanced sorting option. So, eh, you know, some things have moved around. I think though the biggest thing was the extensions. That definitely is going to confuse a few people who are just used to going to the add-ons menu and suddenly, where are my add-ons? You know, so yeah, just going to mean some some retraining and of course you know, all of our help guides and instructional videos are all wrong now. Again, oh, as always. Need updated. <laughs> One of the oh. nice things for users is that it's, um, it actually gives you a little message to say, hey, this stuff has moved. So that when you go in there and you can click and see where it's actually moved to. Oh, I just skipped those, John. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, I was actually curious because uh, I was in there today working on a, on a spreadsheet and um, I was doing some cleanup and uh, they have put everything underneath the spreadsheet cleanup submenu. So I thought, well, that makes sense. Yeah. While we're uh, chatting, you guys can keep chatting. <laughs> I think okay. somebody accidentally reverted our document. <laughs> Back to an earlier version. Hang on a second here, guys. I'm gonna have um, to. I'm gonna have to revert this no, back. Uh, and that's the beauty of things being, you know, being editable and shared. And that's 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 the way we do it. Uh, but I think we need to uh, we need to revert yeah. this back. And we can so, add our Google group uh, on there, and we can see who see did it. There. if we need to. I think <laughs> I, I I think I think we're back to where we were. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, looks like we're looks like we're in good shape there. Hopefully, uh, well, we were. Uh, nope, looks like uh, looks like we may have to. Uh, unfortunately, I might have to make changes to the permissions here if uh, this is going to be an issue. <laughs> So give me just a second here. Uh, I hate to do that. I, I hate that that's the case, but uh, I'm going to go yeah. in here. I just I'm added gonna, our Google group on there. I'm going to change. So. No, I'm going to change this to uh, just cop to commenting rights. So sorry about that, folks. Um, while, you, while you were talking, Eric, it disappeared. And um, that was um, that when you were going through the explanation before it disappeared and then I tried to restore it back and then it disappeared again. Yeah. So I was so playing with us. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's fine. Uh, that's it looks uh, like everyone was trying to restore it. In the- <laughs> <laughs> so, we all had the right idea. Yeah, we all, we all were trying deal. to help, but Hey, it happens. But see, yeah. that's the beauty of this is that, yeah, I mean, these are things to be aware of when collaborating in, a, in you know, an online environment. Don't forget, you can always use version history. 
version history is a beautiful tool to allow us to go in and see any changes that have been made and to be able to restore things back if they get lost. So they all are restored back. It looks like everything's back in place like it was. I did change the permissions to uh, put it in suggestion mode. So you guys can absolutely still type in the document. Absolutely, please do so. I just popped it from anybody with the link can comment rather than edit that way. Things will go in as suggestions, just in case uh, anybody uh, was uh, accidentally uh, getting rid of stuff that we don't want them to be doing. <laughs> so, all right, hopefully that put things back. I think, um, yeah, hopefully we're back to where we were. If not, uh, we can double check the, uh, the revision, the version history again. All right. Well, let's keep on moving. I think we are, remember where we were at. Uh, we did uh, uh, enhanced menus in Google Sheets. That's what we were just talking about. So uh, so the next uh, update was um, a little FYI for kids and teens on what if you find out there's a picture of you on the internet that you don't want to have on the internet. Well, it's not that you can necessarily just get rid of something that's online. Uh, understandably, once something's online, you know, it's, it can get copied and passed around, but Google's doing what they can to try to help with this a little bit. So if a, if a minor discovers that there's an image online that, that shouldn't be anybody under the age of 18, or a parent or guardian can now request removal from search results in Google. And so there's a whole process here of going to the help page and filling out this, this form and being able to say, this is you know what should not be uh, available online. Again, as we, as we know, just getting it rid of Google, getting it out of Google search results does not mean it's no longer on the internet, but certainly that could help to limit the uh, exposure of, of, of images that a uh, uh, student may not want to have online. Yeah. All and right. then next up next is up. Um, using citations in Google Docs. And I know before when I was in school, back in the old golden days, um, <laughs> you had like note cards and you had to do this yourself. Now our students just have to search for the book, the website, and then it will do it for them, which is crazy. <laughs> um, and then they can add it right into their Google Doc. How nice. Yeah, I know Google added the citation feature a while ago, but it wasn't as nice as this. It was like completely mm -hmm. like manual. You had to like type everything yeah. in. I'm like, uh, I mean, this is okay that we have this feature, but wow, that's still, I mean, it's still a lot of work to type it in. And I think they mentioned a while ago that this was coming, but I'm glad to see it has finally rolled out now. So I guess, for example, if I was here and I wanted to um, add, you know, add a citation. So, you know, I'll come here and let's, I, don't know, I think it's under tools, right? Tools, mm -hmm. yeah, tools and citations. So if I was trying to add a citation and I came here and said, I need to add, you know, a book or a website or whatever, let's say it's a book and I've accessed it, you know, in print format, it's got the option now to uh, search with an ISBN rather than citing manually. I can still do that. I can still type in every single thing individually, but um, 
if I were to grab the ISBN number. So like here, let me copy off another screen here. Here's the ISBN for uh, Daniel Pink's book Drive. A lot of people are familiar with, with Daniel Pink. If I run a search, you'll see it finds Drive, you know, from you know, Daniel Pink. And if I hit continue, it's going to pre-populate as much of this stuff as it can. Now, I still, you know, may need to fill in some of the things. That's a, that's a lot better than having to do mm -hmm. the whole thing from scratch herself. And that will allow you to build your citations that way. Yeah. And Peggy has a really good idea as students are working with different, maybe writing an essay or something like that, just have them cite as they do it. I know sometimes we were taught like wait until the end, but Peggy, I like your idea of just going ahead and clicking it and citing it. Excellent. Very good. Uh, next up, a um, little bit of help in Google Drive. When you're running a search to try to find something in Google Drive, we'll now have those search chips that we, sh I think they already are rolled out in Gmail. Um, what that looks like, what we mean by search chips is like, as you can see in this GIF here, when you run a search, you get, you know, of course, things that match, but then you get these little drop downs underneath it, like, you know, file type, people that it shared with when it was last modified, things like that. Just uh, these little drop downs to help narrow down what it is you are searching for in Drive. Now, heads up, this is beta, meaning that uh, it has not even launched yet for folks. There is an option here to fill out a form. So whoever is your Google Workspace admin can say, yeah, we'd like to participate in that beta. And then that'll get turned on for your district so that you'll have the search chips during the beta period. But eventually, you know, that will become a uh, feature that everybody has. But hey, anything that helps us get to our content quicker and find what we're looking for, that's helpful. All right, what's and up then next? Next up is approving documents. Oh and so goodness. you can send this to a certain person and you just type their name in. So we can kind of watch this. Um, you hit that button right there. You type their name in. You can put a message if you want to. And then you can also go in and have like a due date of when you want them to look about look at this. And then you can kind of see those little bottom check marks as well. So again, that approval, and then you can make sure that they are looking at your document. And then when they do, they can let you know, hey, this looks great. Go ahead and follow on with the next step. It does have to be yeah. um, allowed in the Google Admin Console, I believe. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I knew this was coming out here for a while. Let's see. Yep. It was in beta for a while. And uh, this is one that has made it through, has made it through beta. So yeah, the idea behind that would be, I don't know if I just pull up a, a sample document here. Uh, we'll just pretend this is something important. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I had, you know, a document with, you know, meeting notes or something and, you know, we wanted to, or, you know, a proposal or, you know, whatever the case might be. And I want to get approval from the group before it gets sent out. Uh, yeah, it's under the file menu, I believe, right? Um, yep, there it is under file menu, approvals. There it is. So you click on approvals and then, yeah, you can say, okay, I want to throw a few people into the queue here. You know, maybe I want to have that, you know, my, my, my test user that I've been picking on here all day. Maybe I want to add my test user to this and say, you know, okay, by next Friday, I need, uh, I need you to take a look at this and, you know, make sure that everything looks good to go. 
Um, and of course, you know, I can give them the rights to approve, to edit the file as well, or they can just basically just be looking at it. I just want them to read it and be like, you know, sign off on it. So either way is, is fine. And then when you send the request out, um, it's going to of course share that document with the person. And now it will say that there's, you know, this is pending approval. So that user would be able to open the document, read through it. And if they're like, yep, this looks good. This is all excellent. Then they can go in and click the approval button to say it's ready to go. If not, they can make changes and kind of get the approval process rolling again. I wonder too, how we can use this with our students. Um, like, Sending them, hey, I looked over your paper. Here's some comments. Neat idea. Go in and make those corrections. Um, do you know uh -huh. if they get a Google Calendar invite or anything like that for like the due date of that approval? Like when it's expected to be due or? I'm not sure. Um, that looks like. I haven't used it yet. See. Um, I mean, I've, here, let's, uh, let's see. Let me Looks go like there's ahead. some revision history there. Let me, uh, <clears throat> so I don't have my, I don't have my test user. I got my, my other account here ready. We could pull up my other account, my Spark Online account, and I could, I could send it to my Spark Online account instead. Um, so let's do that and let's see. So we'll send the request out. Um, I know an email goes out because I have tested that. It does send an email saying this has been shared with you. So here's my Spark Online account. If I come here, I should have in Gmail now uh, something that says approval request. Um, and so here it is. Um, says it's due on that date, but it's just a regular email. So when I go and open this up, it now lets me go into the document where I could, you know, take a look at it. And if I approve it, there's an approve button there, or there's a reject button over here if I need to reject it. The question is, did it do anything on my calendar? I don't know. Let's I see. Assume not. No, I don't see anything. Yeah, here's 19. Here's the 19. Uh, it would be nice though. It sure would be. I wonder, I wonder if they'll add that where eventually, yeah, you'll get something on the calendar as well. I do oh, know it I love said, Kara said that it would genius. send. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Kara in the chat, she said genius hours proposals. So kids write up their proposal for their genius hour. They send it to their teacher for approval or rejection. Uh, hey. And then they can start working on their next step on that project. That's a really good idea, Kara. Yeah, I like that. That's neat. I mean, I do know that even though it doesn't put on the calendar, I know it's, they said in the, uh, in the blog post, it, it says that it will send emails um, if it's overdue. Uh, so I think it, I think they say that in here somewhere, there's a lot of details in there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think they were saying about how, um, if you send a due date, your reviewers will receive email reminders that their approval is needed or past due. doesn't seem like it ties right into calendar though at the moment. And then Kara's also wondering, can you add comments still? Like it works just like a Google doc, right? Um, you for the teacher. got it. You okay. got it. So um, in this case, when I just sent out the approval request to the Spark Online account, um, I did give them edit rights so they can actually, you know, type in here, but they could certainly just do, you know, comments as well without a doubt. We could come in and, you know, select something here and, you know, insert a comment, you know, put in some feedback there. Uh, so yeah, it still functions like a, a traditional 
um, Google document. N- n- none of that has changed. It's you just a nice this label there. Extra. L- oh, very <laughs> good. We've got this extra layer on top of it is basically what's happening here. We've got this approval bar here where we can approve it or reject it or go into the details uh, and see, you know, anything to do with the, uh, the flow of this. Um, now I know when you do approve it, um, what it does is it, it, I guess the phrase is locks, it locks the document, not to mean you can't ever unlock it, but it basically says, okay, this is the final version. We're good. It's like, if I come in here and hit approve and I approve this, it says the file is locked. And so it um, can be unlocked, but it puts it in like a view only mode where it's like, okay, this is the approved version. This is good. We, we have approved it. We've agreed on it. That's it. We're, we're good to go with this. Now you could say, well, turns out, you know, later we decide, no, <laughs> we do need to make some more uh, changes to it. Um, you can always go up to the locked button in the top and you can unlock it. Now, if you do that, it cancels that approval and you've got to start over again. If you want to reinstitute the approval thing, it does break the approval cycle at that point if you unlock it, which makes sense, you know, that um, you at that point are now starting over again with the approval process. But yeah, that's that's how that looks. I think, and I'll always hate to say this, I think that this might just be an enterprise thing. I'm trying to remember if this one's limited. So I'm sorry, I didn't pay close enough attention. Let's scroll down and see availability. Um, Not available to education, fundamental and standard. So heads up, always want to be clear about that. Some features sometimes are for the other tiers. You know, I keep calling it enterprise, but whatever it is, uh, plus teaching and learning, something like that. Yeah. 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 All right. And so our final update for this month, um, is talking about copying just a single page in Google sites. So you have a Google site and you want to duplicate it, but you don't want to copy all of the pages. So maybe Hmm. you just want to copy some of the pages. Um, So now you're able to do that. You just click the box and then you hit OK, and it's going to make that copy of your Google site with just the pages that you picked. How nice. That's great. Again, nice to see more and more updates to Google Sites, especially Mm -hmm. with the classic version officially shutting down um, as of the end of December, it's, it's over and done. So I've been converting my sites finally, <laughs> finally going in mm-hmm. and converting them over. Nice to see more features in the new version for us. And then Paul has a question about the approval. Does it work with external users? Um, maybe possible for parents, service providers, colleagues on cross institutional teams? Um, I would think so. Oh, well, let's poke a stick at it. So if I come in here and um, you can share it with me if you need to. Let's um, let's go into approvals here, and let's start a new approval. Um, I don't know. I wonder, like, if I try to send this to a personal account. Well, it's not saying anything about it. It seems it seems to let me put in my personal account. Uh, now it's not a. It is a Google account. It's a Gmail account. So I'm not sure. Yeah, if you were using like an Outlook account or something like that, um, but it does seem to be. Um, yeah, that looks good. Let's hit send request. Yeah, it's asking me to share it. That and could be so, nice for parents, like as a maybe yeah. permission. I don't know. 
That's cool. Now, keep in mind, you can add multiple people. I've only added one in each example. You can add, you know, five people and all five have to approve it. And if any one rejects it, it rejects it for everybody. It, it shuts down the approval process at that point. So, well, this is going to be neat to see. I really am excited by people's uh, brainstorming on this as to, well, what can we do with this? Because that's always the beauty of what we do in education. You know, Google creates something. We go, that's cool. Hey, here's how we can use it. And, you know, we come up with neat ideas. So excited to see how people think through uh, leveraging this in a classroom setting. Awesome. Well, um, John, Stephanie, anything else that you noticed in the updates? Any questions in the chat before we move on to show and tell? I think we're ready to keep going. Very good. All right. Well, I don't know if you guys have a preference. Um, if uh, I don't want to put anybody on the spot right away, but Stephanie or John, uh, would one of you like to start? I can uh, release the share and uh, you guys can uh, go through your show and tell um, resources. Um, yeah, I can go. You're good, Stephanie? Yeah, All right. I'm going to go. I'll ahead. go ahead and I will uh, stop my share. And you can take over. Uh, I hope. Did I give um, you permission? Any permission? Not. Oh, yeah. Good job, Eric. There you go. Okay. Okay. Now you can. Now you can share. <laughs> okay. So. So right here, I've been um, just kind of designing some ideas for like blended learning stuff that my teachers are using, um, and I just love color <laughs> and design. And so in this folder right here you can go and get these different packs and you can kind of see that they have different things. So like there's um, maybe a board right here, there's a choice board, tic-tac-toe board, station rotation type models. Um, so everything's kind of in there and then the colors just change depending on which one you pick. Um, so it could be really fun for your kids just to help with some of those design things and just to get some new ideas going in your classroom. And you just have to add your content in your uh, creations to it. CER, um, we did this really, really fun project uh, in social studies. And so the kids, they had to focus on regions. And so we used the NFL draft and all of the different teams. And what students did is they were on different teams. So they picked a team, they reviewed what regions were, they went through different rounds, and they used claims, evidence, and reasoning to show that their uh, region was the best. And then they voted. And so there was like a bracket. So you can see right here's the bracket of the different teams. And what the students did is they competed against each other in a quick speech. So for round one, the students had a goal and their round in this round, they had to inform the audience who their uh, region was and the significance of their location. And they had 10 minutes to prep. So again, it was really timed. It was really focused research. And so they did their 10 minutes. They presented to the class using the claim evidence and reasoning. And once they um, filled out kind of their brainstorm dump, they then presented to the class. And that was round one. The students voted for which team they preferred and gave the better speech. And that person went on to the next round. So then we went on and we redid the process and there were just a couple different rounds. So then round two, uh, we did it again. And the students then had to discredit the other team and the claims that the other team made. So they really had to listen to round one to hear who they were going to go up against. Um, after that, again, they went against their teams and they provided their claim evidence and reasoning. And then the final round, um, 
students competed again. And this was like the final showcase because it was our last group. And we just went through and they talked about um, their like strongest claim that they had and they presented on that. And then we had the winning team after all of those rounds. Um, so the kids really liked it. They liked hearing other students present and it was quick. I mean, we started with 10 minutes on round one. Round two, they only had like seven minutes. On round three, they only had five. So we kept declining the time as they kept moving forward just to make a little bit more of a challenge for the students. And I mean, they were on task and ready to go. So um, you can kind of see here, like these are just another brainstorm. This is how we chose the teams. And then again, they had to um, talk about their teams and give that evidence. This next one um, is a make and take. So we did choice boards. And it just goes over just different designs and choice boards. And then there's a collaborative deck in here with a ton of different choice boards. So if you um, go to the YouTube link and then click in the speaker notes, um, you can go down to um, slide number, let's see if I can find it, six. And on this slide deck has a bunch of different choice boards templates. So if you're looking for ideas, um, this is your place to go. And it was just a lot of fun again that people were just creating all these um, fun little choice boards uh, to use in the classroom. So we had some this or that. There were some just normal choice boards. Um, and you got to see just some of those really creative ideas that people have and use in their own classroom, like this physical education one. Um, and again, every subject, everything's kind of in here. So check that out if you are interested in choice boards. And then next up is this good morning slide. Um, so this um, is just a way to kind of get past the how are you questions and really dig dive deeper into what is going on with this student? How are they really doing? Um, and so the, right here, just kind of, there's a Google form, there's a Pear Deck you can use. Um, there's all these different ways you can ask these questions, but basically it just takes it deeper than how just are you? So instead of asking, how are you? What challenges are you facing? What's the biggest worry that you have right now? Uh, talk about a recent success. And so you're getting a lot more detail answers and really what's going on with your students rather than just, how are you? Oh, fine. And then the, you know, it just kind of keeps going. So again, really just diving deeper and asking like, what are you grateful for? Uh, what resources can I share with you? So students would pick one of these prompts and you might not have all these prompts up. You could just do four or two. And then they pick maybe one that they wanna answer for the day during your morning meeting. And then you guys can just have a quick discussion on um, what your students might need or what support they might need. And then you really get to know your students at a deeper level. And then uh, this next one came from Amanda Sandervolt and she uses AutoDraw. So AutoDraw is a really cool tool. If you haven't seen it, um, the students draw and then it changes their icon. So like right there, I drew a circle and it's like, oh, you drew a moon and it changes the whole thing. And so what she uses this for is for reflection. So students would design on their canvas everything that they learned from that class period. So as like a quick reflection, they can add text, they can add their own drawings, they can use auto draw, and they can do whatever they want for five minutes. And then at the end, they have five minutes to share their auto draw with the class. So again, just a fun way to get students to reflect on their learning. Um, and it's quick, you set a timer, once that timer is done, then they share what they learned. And it's really cool when you let every student share real quick um, their takeaways from the lesson and what, what they really took from that. 
um, right here is just classroom management. I know a lot of teachers are struggling with classroom management right now with kids coming back from being uh, in COVID. Uh, it can be a lot of stress. So feel free to add any resources or ideas you have on classroom management. So that way we can kind of work together, but you can kind of see here creating procedures. Um, certain people have different action plans. Some people have uh, management solutions. Some put Google slides of like their routine on just arriving to school and then agendas. So like some people put their agendas on what this might look like uh, using classroom screen, using Canva templates, um, end of the class agendas. And so just putting those kind of out there um, timers and soundboards. So this really cool soundboard was um, added and you can kind of play different sounds to get your students attention, different activities to help with those behaviors and having them stay on task. Maybe they need a break. And so just having those resources available and then um, check-ins. So using maybe Google Forms to check in, Jamboard, Pear Deck, um, virtual uh, journal. There's all these different ways that we can check in with students. So feel free to continue to add. And then if you have any other resources or like a wakelet or anything like that, that can go on this page. Um, so we're just trying to collect some different resources for students. So that way um, we can better support our students and what they might need. And then this was back in October, but you might be able to use it next year. I did send it out through our Google group. So make sure you join the GEG Ohio Google group. Um, but right here is just Halloween and fall make and takes. So you can kind of see it goes along with like that classroom management idea where everybody's on this slide deck. And then you can add your own ideas um, in here for what you use for the fall. So if maybe you saw an idea or you see something, you can just add that right on here and then use it for next year uh, since that time is over. I know there are still some fall activities you might be able to do. Um, one of the favorite ones that our sixth grade students did is they listened to this podcast um, and it was like really crazy, this haunted story where this lady was living in an apartment and she heard footsteps, her food was missing, all these different things. And so the kids had to, they didn't hear the whole podcast episode. They paused it and they had to write like what they thought was going to happen using that evidence from that podcast. And there was so much engagement. The kids really enjoyed it. And some of them, it was like an optional to finish the podcast. She never saw the man, but there was someone living in her house that we found, um, a sleeping bag up in the attic. So it's, it's just kind of crazy, but the kids, um, they had to finish the story. So they used their um, evidence from that podcast to work on it. So just kind of introducing teachers to new ways to kind of teach students through podcasting and other ways like that. But again, there's so many ideas on here that I plan on just using this for next year as well. And then finally, um, eight parts. I love edu protocols and eight parts is a really, really cool one. And so we've been doing a lot of with eight parts and just breaking down writing. Writing is hard for kids. It's a lot. Right now, we don't have a whole lot of stamina because they've been hybrid or whatever with COVID. And so what we're going to do is you can kind of see on this first slide. And again, everything's down here in the YouTube description. Um, students have a kind of a week view Monday through Friday, and then they're going to work on different things. So on Monday, they work on the introduction. So that's slide number two. And they also do kind of that quick graphic organizer on slide one. And on slide two, they have to come up with their introduction paragraph. 
So students have to create a hook. They have to create a thesis statement, quotes, claims, background information. They're going to take all that and put it into their essay. Uh, students get maybe 10 minutes a day to work on this. So it's not a whole lot of time. And then on Tuesday, they come in and they work on the body paragraph. So then they have to find their first text, um, textual evidence. They have to cite it. They have to add claims, tradition, uh, transition words, and then anything that they might want to add for their commentary. Then they create their uh, body paragraph that day. And again, they have 10 minutes to work on this. And then day three comes and they do it again with the same body, another body paragraph with their second evidence. And then on the final day, or on Thursday, not the final day, they might restate and um, create their closing. So they're going to write their conclusion paragraph, and then they're going to come up with the transition words. They're going to sum up paragraph one, sum up paragraph two, paragraph three, and so on, depending on what you kind of assign for the week. And then they're going to write like in conclusion and put their conclusion sentence. So then they're going to write their conclusion sentence on like Thursday, we'll say. And then on Friday, they're going to put it all together for a final um, essay. And then the students will add um, anything that they might need to. They can edit, they can add capitalization and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so just again, breaking it down so that they're successful, working on it in small parts, giving feedback right away, and then they're able to really start to focus on that. And so then the next link is just focusing on a paragraph. So right here, you've got the prompt. This is more for like little kids. Um, they have to figure out how it's feeling. And then once they do that, they write one sentence a day. So again, they have 10 minutes maybe, and then they're working on their topic sentence. They just come up with a noun, adjective, and verb. And then they go on to the next sentence, which might be a supporting sentence, again, a noun, adjective, verb, another supporting sentence, then their conclusion sentence. And then at the end of the week, they're creating a paragraph. And so then they're going to go in and edit that paragraph so that it looks great. And then you can repeat this process until your students can create a uh, paragraph all together at once. Um, so it can be really good for students, again, to scaffold it. And then some days you might say, OK, I want you to do two. Um, supporting sentences and build up that stamina for your students. And that is all my shares today. That is awesome. Thank you as always for uh, creating these, uh, these resources, curating these resources, and of course, sharing them. That is fantastic. Um, and in the chat, people are thanking you very much <laughs> as well. Um, well, hey, John, if you want to, I know you've got a few things you wanted to share. I'm happy to turn it over to you if you'd like to share your screen and uh, uh, share what you've got for today. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I just have a couple of things. I had talked about Rocketbook um, uh, at the last meeting that was uh, 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 two months ago. And um, that kind of led to uh, us thinking about as we were writing about different things that weren't necessarily tips. So I had shared that on what was our Tech Tips Tuesday uh, blog, um, and it was just a repository of tips, but they were mostly all about like technology things. But we started writing about other things, STEM and STEAM, and so that has prompted us to actually uh, start what we call the PLG blog, the Professional Learning Group blog. And there's a couple of, so we've got the traditional Tech Tips and they get published in a, uh, it's a MailChimp uh, mailing list that goes out every Tuesday that you can sign up for. But then they're actually here and you can find them 
either by searching for them or by looking under recent posts or looking under you know some of these um, tags that they might be. But what we've done is, so here is my, uh, that's the, the, the one about uh, Rocketbook that I did uh, that I had talked about in the last meeting. But for example, what I did, um, uh, I went to visit, I've started visiting um, people or districts that have uh, done something, uh, you know, really out of the ordinary with STEM and STEAM. And so I'm trying to make at least one visit a month to a school that is sort of, um, is really, ex <coughs> excuse me, excelling in this area. And so this was a trip that I made to, um, to Edgerton and uh, it just, I'm able to put the nice thing about a blog, and I recommend this to educators that are out there, is that um, if your medium is email, it's really hard to put pictures in there. And so if you want to tell a story, a blog is a really good place. So, for example, I wanted to see there's a bunch of sophomores that are actually using Legos. Um, and I wanted to give this idea to um, other educators that might be interested in that. So and I took a whole bunch of pictures of students working in the in the makerspace there. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, th that was one of the things that I put in there. And then we have uh, one of our uh, people that works for Northern Buckeye that does, he does a lot of work with uh, more with curriculum consulting, uh, but he's been talking a lot about student data and um, how to use student data more effectively in the classroom. And it didn't fit in with the idea of a tech tip, really. It was more sort of uh, a little bit of thinking about um, something that's related to teaching, but not necessarily a tip. So um, that has kind of prompted us to have this blog now. And uh, if anybody wants uh, is interested in writing for the blog, uh, we will take uh, submissions to that. They can contact me. But um, we're trying to use this as a better way of sharing ideas um, about things that we see out in the, in the, um, in the schools that we work with uh, so that other people can read about them. Uh, we can link to them through social media. So that was, that's the first thing that we did. Uh, that's our uh, PLG blog. The second thing is going to be a quick demo. And it's something called Timesheet. And uh, probably the easiest way to show you is to, is to actually put it into action. So I have a blank spreadsheet here, and I've already added the extension. Here's the brand new extensions menu that Eric was talking about. And then right at the bottom here is timesheet. And I'm gonna go up here and say, create report. And it's gonna open up a little panel on the right here. And it's actually looking, and in a second, hopefully, yes, it's loaded up my calendars. Um, little tip for you, uh, if you have a lot of calendars, and for example, uh, calendar makes an entry for each time that you do a um, make a Google Classroom class, for example, it creates a calendar and puts it in here. So I went through before I started doing this and I hid quite a lot of the calendars that I have in calendar. Uh, so that's a quick tip. But if I go to the bottom here, I want to pull out these two particular ones here. Um, and I want to find out, um, let's just do it for this month. Uh, I don't know why the drop pop down menu goes over here when it does that, but that that might just be a browser quirk. And then here's where the power is. I can add a, what's called a project filter. And so I'm going to put in here um, hashtag PLCO and then separate by a comma. And then uh, we'll, we'll just do one of those for now. Um, and I'm going to put that in there. I'm going to hit create. 
And when I go create, it's now going to generate the report. And you can see now that it's come up with actually a timesheet and it has pulled from my calendar. And so if I actually go to my calendar and look at some of the events. So I had a PLCO administrative event that was today. Uh, but what I've done is anywhere in my calendar, I've just got hashtag PLCO, and then that will relate back to what happens in here. So here are the items that for my calendar items, and it's totaled those up. And so I know that I've worked on this particular project six hours for this month, um, and it's pulling them from my one calendar. If I want to, I can create another report. So say, uh, I think today, I've got to remember what it was. Um, Let's go to today. And I was working on, um, yeah, I was working on a, one of our courses that the PLC I was putting on, uh, and it is the e-learning toolbox course. So if I go back here to, uh, the, I can say I want another report here, and I'm going to use the same two calendars. Actually, I can just use PLC coursework. And if I add the project filter and I put hashtag E-L-T, and hit create. It will then create another tab down the bottom here. And so this is the billing now for, I can see how much time I've spent on that particular course. And so it's all based on your Google Calendar. And when you go to create an event, so let's just look at this event for a second here, um, when we edit it. And you uh, right now you can't put, uh, I actually put information about what I did in the meeting there. This information doesn't get pulled into the calendar, uh, sorry, into the report yet, but um, I think I'm going to request that feature be added because I think that would be nice. So you have the hashtag is at the beginning here, and then you put in what becomes a de facto description at the top there. So that that's a really nice, um, nice way to do that. And you end up with these um, spreadsheets, which is what I'm going to need uh, when I do billing for this particular grant. So um, if you have to work with calendars a lot, uh, it might be an easier way to track time uh, than the way that you're doing it. So hopefully that helps some people. And with that, Eric, I'll hand it back over to you. Well, hey, thank you so very much. That's fantastic. Uh, let me see if I can get my, uh, get my video back on there. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. Again, anything that helps us be a little bit more efficient uh, and uh, saves us time. Very helpful. Um, well, let me go ahead and share my screen and um, look at a few more show and tell items uh, before we move on to our Q&A. Um, so in my show and tell section here, um, I've got uh, a couple of posts from the Control Alt Achieve blog uh, that I do. And uh, one of the recent ones was uh, a Thanksgiving themed activity, a uh, build a what I am thankful for turkey. Uh, so if you are looking for uh, an activity to do with your students in preparation for Thanksgiving, um, this is a Google Slides activity where basically what the students are going to do is they're going to go to a slide that has feathers on it. Uh, they're just, you know, shapes from the shapes menu. Uh, and the students will uh, copy uh, the feathers from the uh, feathers slide, and then they'll paste those feathers onto the Google slide that has the blank turkey. Um, and then what they can do is type, just double click in the shape, 
type in something that they are thankful for. So each feather of the turkey is going to be something that the uh, student is thankful for. They can then use the rotation option to rotate that feather whatever direction they'd like, move it into the proper location, and then using the order tool inside of the order option, I should say, inside of Google Slides, you can push things forwards and backwards, and you can just order the, uh, the uh, feather to go behind the turkey. Or of course you could go the other way and click on the turkey and move it to the front. That, that would work as well, <laughs> which, whichever way you prefer. And that's it. When you're all done, you end up with this turkey that's got all these feathers sticking out, showing all the different things that the student is thankful for. Of course, you can extend this if you want with uh, using moat to record the, you know, the student talking about each of the things that they're thankful for and adding that recording. Um, or you could also just get fun doing stuff like using the text color and the fill color to go in and change your feathers. Maybe you want more of a rainbow turkey. Well, hey, you, you, can, you can certainly do that. Uh, so all of those uh, you know, options you can certainly explore if you would like with that. So have at it if you're looking for a Thanksgiving activity. Uh, this would be... Um, uh, a good option for students to learn a little bit of tech skills, but at the same time express their thankfulness, what they are uh, grateful for. Um, the other, another recent post I've got here is some calendar templates, believe it or not, for the 22-23 school year. So um, last year I had made a calendar template for the 21-22 school year um, at the request of some folks um, that, um, that, that I work with. They were wanting to have a, uh, a template that um, is in this sort of a format where it's one year and you've got, uh, you know, a small calendar for each uh, month and then a spot over to the side where you could uh, fill in uh, here, for example, you'll see here. So you could, you know, fill in what each of the different uh, events are each month and then even color code them if, if you want uh, and, you know, wind up with a final product like this. Well, I did one for 21, 22 um, and then got, I don't know, maybe three or four emails in the last month with people saying, hey, do you have a 22, 23 version yet? And I'm like, wow, these people are organized. <laughs> I have a hard time thinking what I'm doing next week. <laughs> and we've got folks who are apparently wanting to work on uh, 22, 23. So I said, sure. So I took some time and went ahead and made a 22, 23 version of it. So if you uh, benefited from that in the past, or if you're looking for a template similar to that for uh, the upcoming school year, there it is. It is available on the blog as well. Uh, beyond that, um, one thing I've been working on a bit lately is updating some of my um, resource documents, I guess would be the right word for it. I do you know, lots and lots and lots of trainings. And for every training I do, I try to have a, a resource document to go along with the training. And so little by little, it's going to take me quite a while, but little by little, I've started to update some of my uh, resource documents, uh, which you got to do. You got to do that, you know, frequently. And so this was just, I added in, hey, here's a few that I have recently given a facelift to. So all of these go along with trainings that I do. So like, you know, Google tools to support all learners, that'd be like accessibility and accommodations, engaging ELA activities with docs or Google Slides activities. Activities, spreadsheet activities, drawings, Jamboard, 
math tools, digital breakouts, and so forth. Each one of these, uh, simply come in and you know give a click on the link if you're interested, and that'll pop you out into that resource document. Um, and feel free to, yeah, feel free to explore um, the resources in these. Again, this is what I use when I'm when I'm doing a training on these topics. Uh, but even on their own, even without the the training attached to it, uh, the the doc, the resource documents themselves have a lot of great uh, stuff in them. So, I uh, just wanted to share those since those had gotten a facelift recently. Other than that, there's a few other cool bulleted points here. I will not go through all of these, but these are things I came across over the last uh, month and a half that other people had shared that I wanted to uh, draw attention to uh, as a, a cool uh, Google Slides and Moat template uh, for debating. Uh, there's a Chromebook accessibility course you can go through to get uh, certified as a Chromebook accessibility expert. Um, a neat new um, tool from Google called Tab Maker, which lets you create your own custom tab extensions for Chrome. Now, this one I thought was pretty clever, this ELL 2.0 dictionary. So this is a Google spreadsheet template. Um, I'll go ahead and open this one up. This one is, uh, I really liked it. That was pretty clever. Um, so this is a great website, the ELL 2.0 website, which on its, just by itself, oh my gosh, there is so much content on this site. This is just a one page on this site. These folks have done a amazing job with all of the resources they've pulled together on this site. But this particular page on here um, has a link to the uh, template. I'll go, go ahead and give a click on the uh, link there and I'll say, let's use the template. It'll make a copy of that Google Sheets template. And basically what this is, is a, a template where the student could type in a word that they're trying to learn. And then the formulas will then fill in these other cells here. It's like if I came in, uh, we'll just put in the word dog, for example, or the word cat. I'm not, I know those are obviously incredibly simple words, but just using that as an example. And it'll bring in, as you can see, uh, translations in these selected languages here. And of course, you can modify this. If you click on these cells, you'll see that what it's doing you can see the formula. It's using the Google Translate formula, and you could change the parameters. You know, in this case, that's going from English to Swahili. Well, you could you could change those um, and pick uh, different languages if if you wanted to. Uh, but those are the ones that are already filled in. But then it also pulls in a dictionary definition from Merriam-Webster. It grabs images from uh, Wikipedia. And it uh, puts a link in to the pronunciation of the word, where if you click on that link, it'll open up um, a uh, um, Google interactive search panel where you can uh, have the word pronounced for you there. Uh, I thought that was really clever, neat use of uh, Google Sheets to help support uh, English language learners or anybody working on learning another language. Um, other than that, just a few other you know, resources here. Uh, uh, do be aware that Computer Science Education Week is coming up December 6th through 12th, and Google has a page on some uh, resources for Computer Science Education Week. Uh, you can follow that link to go out and check those out, including some uh, great resources from CS First, from Applied Digital Skills, from Code Next, from Grasshopper. All of these are um, uh, Google uh, resources, but and then they also link out to other things like Hour of Code and so forth. So good to have those on your radar.
So those are some of the resources that I pulled together recently. Um, and then if we scroll down a little further, we have our community show and tell. Always want to thank you guys so much for things you share in there. I uh, see so we have a link out here to a, uh, a big collection of STEAM resources. And this looks like it's a, a Google slideshow with lots and lots and lots and lots of STEAM resources to investigate. And then uh, we've got another one shared here from uh, my colleague, Matt Mays. Thanks so much, Matt. Always appreciate all the stuff you share. Um, this is a website that he says um, is um, about a, a, a tool, a website with uh, ways to learn about complex learners and what teachers can do to ensure materials are equitable for all learners. And that it has a resource library that all on its own is amazing, he says, packed with uh, content-specific resources and research, and it's continually updated. So this is the main website. And then there is the Tech Tool Accessibility Library that's a subset of it, and the Massive Resource Library that is a subset of it as well. So thanks, Matt, for sharing those. A lot to investigate there. Uh, I see Deborah on the side uh, left a comment saying that she has recently learned about Groove Pizza, uh, a free online beats generator. Yeah, Groove Pizza is really neat. So this is um, one of the Google experiments that they uh, created in the past um, that allows you to, um, in this case, explore uh, rhythm. Basically, what you do is you build a pizza uh, with three concentric uh, polygons here. You can uh, either use the ones that they've already uh, created, or you can, you know, drag your own shapes over and you can adjust them. You can add, you know, more points, which every point is a beat. You can change what uh, the style is. Um, and then when you hit play, it'll start playing that beat. Now it's got some neat other uh, twists to it in that if we come over here, we can turn on, for example, the angle measurement tool, and it will show you the angles of each of these polygons as well. If you wanted to talk about the sum of the measures of interior angles of a polygon, you can have a neat math crossover. Whatever you create here, though, you can also uh, export uh, what you've created. Um, including you know, downloading it as an audio file, but also sending it over to Soundtrap. Uh, Soundtrap uh, integrates great with this. You can create a beat in here, send it over to Soundtrap, and then keep editing it some more over there. So uh, thanks, Deborah, for putting that back on our radar. That's a great tool. And I think as far as show and tell, that looks like all of it. We're going to transition over to our Q&A next. Um, if there's anything that we missed there, Stephanie, John, if there's something in the chat or something else we missed, let us know. But yeah, Jane like in the chat, she's just really excited about your turkey activity. <laughs> awesome. uh, she said the kids love the jack-o-lantern um, and it was great practice for cutting and pasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, fine. Well, I enjoy making those things. So I'm glad that uh, um, it's going to be valuable for folks. So the last uh, main section we have here is Q&A. Um, each month, we uh, encourage you to share any questions that you have. And then as a group, we try to support uh, everybody in that. I see we do have a couple of questions. One this month was about Google Photos. Um, the concern was that some of the staff members are finding out that Google Photos is syncing uh, all of their photos that are on their phone, personal and school related. Is there a way to remove Google Photos as an option for staff members? 
Uh, of course, they say even if you remove uh, the school Google account from Google Photos, what got previously synced is still there. Um, so my thoughts on that, I threw in a little bit of a blurb here, um, but I'd love to hear what others think on this as well. I think Google Photos is a wonderful tool. Um, it definitely can be disabled. If you go into the admin console, it is listed under additional Google services. Uh, you can disable it. Uh, I'd be hesitant to do that uh, as a first solution, just because I think it's a valuable tool as a way to um, you know, collect your photos together. Um, I think it'd be more a matter of, I would be concerned as to, maybe the, a misunderstanding from the staff on if they have Google Photos, the app installed on their phone, how to properly set the settings so that it doesn't sync over to their school account. So I've got Google Photos, the app on my phone, and I'm signed into my phone with both of my, um, my personal Google account and my work Google account. But in Google Photos, you have to go into the settings and you have to turn on the syncing, you have to go into the settings and say, I want to back up my photos from my phone to Google Photos. And when you do that, you have to pick the account that you sync it to. And so I have my phone syncing any picture from my phone to my Gmail account. And so I love that because, you know, if I'm taking a picture anytime, you know, it doesn't matter I'm with the grandkids and I'm snapping a picture, I don't have to worry about, oh, I hope I, you know, I got, got to remember to back that up. Nope. Every picture I take on my phone automatically goes into the Google photos on my personal account. And I never lose anything. And I love that. I'd hate to, you know, lose that, you know, feature. But the thing is, I just, I don't tie it to my school account at all. So I guess that would be my, my thought would be, it might be a matter of just some education, letting people know, hey, you just really need to go into your settings there. There's no need to be syncing, you know, your phone pictures over to your school account. I don't know. That's just my initial thought on it. But I'd welcome other people's uh, input as well. Do see another uh, question here about a teacher was not getting email notifications when a student would post or comment in Google Classroom. They've checked their settings for notifications, which is absolutely the first thing to do. Says those are all set right. Now they're just not sure why aren't the emails coming through. Um, so I put in a little blurb at the end here. Uh, somebody else added something at the top. So certainly this is a great suggestion here at the top to yeah double check your filters because yep, you can go into Gmail and you can set filters, which are so valuable to be able to say, hey, anytime I get a message from, you know, GEG Ohio, you know, the, the GEG Ohio group, put it in this folder so I can, you know, find it easily and have it all organized. But sure, I've seen people have filters accidentally turned on. They didn't even realize they were on that were moving uh, emails that they didn't realize <laughs> into another folder or deleting them. Um, I remember there was a staff member at one point uh, who had accidentally enabled a filter that was basically deleting messages that came from a certain email address. And they're like, I never get messages from this person. And there was a filter that was, you know, turned on. And so you can go into your settings, go to filters and double check to make sure that's not happening. 
I normally approach something like this by trying to trace the emails and see, are they really making it to the teacher or not? So this was my suggestion down here, which is to go into the admin console. Your Google admin can go into the admin console and there's something called the email log search. If you go into the reports section of the admin console, you can run the email uh, log search where you can put in that teacher's email address as the recipient and then say, I want to look back over the last 30 days or, you know, you can go anywhere up to 30 days in that log search and you can search for, okay, you know, did this email actually get sent? And if it did, what happened to it? Um, you can see, for example, that it got delivered to their inbox. You say, well, it says it got delivered to you. So now we got to find out where did it go in your inbox? Or you can like, huh, no, it didn't make it to you. Ah, it says it got rejected because of X, Y, Z reason. Um, so uh, that can be helpful is, as long as you know, you know, that the teacher's email address and you know when the um, notification should have been sent, this is a good way to check to see if they're ever even making it to the teacher. And again, certainly, um, Excited to see what other people might share about that. I see Carol said, is if there is an alert, is there an alert if a student posts on the stream? I can only find notifications if students comment. Good question, Carol. I'm not sure. Um, if we take a look at the notification settings in classroom, if we go to the menu in the top left and you go all the way down to the bottom to the settings, there you'll find your notifications. And it looks like we have notifications for comments on posts, comments that mention you, private comments on work. And then for the classes you teach, late submissions, resubmissions, invitations, and posts that uh, publish or fail to publish. So I'm not sure, I don't see that broken out either. So Carol, good question. I do not see a specific switch to turn on or off if an alert of a student posts in the stream. All right. Um, do we have any other things? Yeah, it looks like we did have a few more things in here. Um, I see a question that says, any other similar product suggestions to Chrome Canvas with the 18 and under policy? This can only be used with images being saved locally. Students in under 18 OUs can no longer sign in. It isn't a managed app, so Google hasn't given us any great workarounds. So Chrome Canvas, if you're not familiar with it, it's a digital whiteboard tool from Google that's very, very simple. It's great. It's a, it's a nice tool, but it's, it's really straightforward, really simple. Basically, you can come in here and you can create a uh, canvas from an image or you can create a blank one. And it's basically just a big whiteboard where you can choose a pencil or a pen or a marker or chalk. And you can uh, pick, uh, you know, the color you want to write with and the thickness of the line. And that's pretty much it. You can start, you know, writing on your canvas here. Um, great as a quick digital whiteboard. It is not collaborative. There's no way to share it. It's just like if you wanted to work out a math problem digitally and you were doing a screencast recording of it, or if you wanted to annotate an image, you can do that as well. I guess the question is suggestions for similar products to that. Um, I would say for sure, yeah, there's, there's a number of, you know, digital whiteboard tools, I would think Jamboard would come to mind right away as an option for that. Um, if you're on a Chromebook, there's also Cursive, the new um, 
progressive web app that runs on Chromebooks. Um, I think I've got a couple of these probably, I think in my math agenda document here. Let me open up my math resource document and I can copy some of those over if we need some quick uh, links here. I've got a section in the math one on digital whiteboards. So yeah, Jamboard, Chrome Canvas, and Cursive. I've got you know those in there. So I would say, yeah, yeah, Jamboard or Cursive would certainly be good options. We can add those uh, in here as some possibilities for people who might need those in the future. And then John was, yes, yeah, suggesting whiteboard.fi. Uh, that's another great one as well. Um, we'll put in Jamboard there. Um, but, and also if you're doing more math specific things, um, there's also like Math Whiteboard, which is phenomenal. Had a, a, a webinar not too long ago where um, the folks from Math Whiteboard were, were demonstrating the tool. And so that is a, a really great one as well. Um, to clarify, this is being used by art teachers. Okay, <laughs> so they're like, oh, hey, and that's really helpful. Yeah, yeah, okay. So if you're talking about art, um, yeah, that'd be a good question. If anybody has some suggestions for something similar to Chrome Canvas for more art, you know, uh, you know, Jamboard could kind of replicate that a little bit because it does do layers uh, as well. Um, but yeah, if anybody has some suggestions on that, we'd love to love to hear from you as to what you might suggest as a replacement for that. Uh, anything else here? Let's see. Um, we've got uh, another comment over here on the side from Deborah saying, does anybody know if there's a way to stop the Google quick tip pop-up messages on student computers? Uh, it can be a challenge with littles when a third of the class gets a pop-up they have to clear. I don't know, Deborah. I don't. If anybody has some feedback on that about a way to stop those quick tip pop-up messages appearing, um, I don't know uh, that as, as an option, but that would be uh, great if anybody has any feedback or suggestions on that. All right. So Carol said she's going to explore uh, cursive. Yeah, yeah, cursive um, only runs on Chromebooks. Um, and if you have touchscreen, that's awesome. Cursive is it's sort of designed for um, it's designed for note taking. That's kind of the thought behind it. Is it's more designed for note taking, um, but um, and it's still relatively new. I think there's there's a lot of room to grow with it. Um, but it's got some neat features in there um, if you haven't had a chance to try that one out yet. All right, well, it looks like we have at least touched on, sorry, we don't necessarily have answers for everybody's questions, but if people are watching live or recorded later and you have answers, this will stay as a, you know, a commentable, you know, document. So you can uh, definitely add in some feedback and some comments if you have something that you can suggest for folks um, as other resources and answers to these questions. We would certainly appreciate uh, your feedback on that. Well, Stephanie and John, what do you think? Anything else we missed before we wrap up here? Anything in the chat or any other comments or things that we did not get to? I think we got everything. There's chat's pretty quiet today. <laughs> hey, that's okay. No problem. We appreciate all, this, all the feedback we have received here today. 
Well, guys, as we uh, start to wrap up, a uh, couple of reminders for you. Uh, if you did not sign in for the meeting, we definitely encourage you to do so. On page two of the agenda, highlighted in green, you'll see a sign-in form that takes you out to a very, very simple Google form that allows us to generate certificates of attendance for you. We also encourage you to stay plugged in in between the meetings, join the Google group, um, and uh, consider joining the Facebook group as well if, if that works for you. A uh, great way to stay connected with folks and ask questions and share resources in between. Uh, don't forget, our next meeting is not until um, January because um, December with the holidays and also it seems like the updates slow down a little bit when we get to this time of year. Um, it'll be January 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern is when we have scheduled. Always check though, as we get closer, sometimes between Stephanie, John and I, we may have some other conflicts and have to move things around a little bit, but uh, that will be our intention to have the next meeting be uh, January um, of 22. So imagine that. Be a whole I was going to say, Eric, year. have them, um, uh, it would, don't forget that you can post questions in the, um, in the Google group and uh, people will respond to those. So we've got a lot of offline questions happening and it's a way to stay connected with people uh, even between our meetings. Absolutely. And it is becoming a more and more active group all the time. A lot of great questions and people are very good about responding and giving answers and suggestions. So fantastic. Well, I want to thank Stephanie and John so very much for, uh, and especially with everything being so busy, taking time to uh, be here today for everything you guys do. Thank you to everybody who joined us today live. Uh, your comments are greatly appreciated. And for those that are watching the recording in the future, thanks so much for uh, being, uh, for participating as well uh, that way. Um, other than that, we want to wish everybody a great holiday season. We hope that you get some time off and time with family and friends and a little rest and rejuvenation before we head back into uh, the busyness that will certainly come in the new year. So thanks everybody so very much and uh, have, a, have a great rest of your day.